scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. That's page 682 in your pew Bible. Matthew 2, verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Randy's Marla here. Where is Marla here? Good to see you. You feeling better? Making good to see you. I, I, I'm just going to throw back the curtain. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, this message is briefer than usual, so Merry Christmas early. Uh, I'd say 12 to 15 minutes. Don't keep looking down and checking. But because of that, and because we've got plenty of extra time, I have this overwhelming compulsion to break into jingle bells. I don't know why. For, for those of you who weren't here last Sunday, we just had an interesting moment where I was reading a narrative, and at one point someone asks the other, well, what, would, what carol would you like to sing? And it was Bo and Anna Grace Brown's uh, cousin was right up here in the front row with his great, it was just perfect, toe-headed boy, bright blue eyes, fair skin, and he just, he's leaning, got his chin on the pew, on the front pew here, and he just yells out, Jingle bells! And the great thing was he was so serious throughout the whole thing. He, I was like, do you really want to sing it? And he was like, yes, of course. And we sang it, and, and, you know, I just said, well, that was fun, wasn't it? Well, yes. But he kept looking at me like, yes, we were supposed to do that. So very tempted to break. That was just a great church moment. I just love that. It's on E! News, by the way. You can click uh, the little segment where that happened uh, if you didn't see the E! News last week. Well, this is the last in a series on it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And what we've done is take some of the most common images of Christmas and unpack them a bit to see if there was something even a bit deeper that we can learn from them. First of all, we studied the angels. And whenever you see an angel on a Christmas tree or on a lawn or wherever you might see one, it should be a reminder that God is working in and through you for your good and for his glory. That's what we talked about. The next Sunday, we talked about the manger as a beautiful symbol of just how far God will go to let us know how much he loves us, even before the cross itself. What a beautiful image of how lowly he would be willing to stoop uh, to our level and to join us. And then we talked about the star last week in terms of God's guidance and how he is always there to guide us, even at moments when we are at points of confusion and frustration and uncertainty about the future. He's always there guiding us and assuring us, which leads us to the final message this morning. And we're really zeroing in on the Magi and the three gifts that they brought. It's interesting, though, a hypothetical question was asked recently, and I thought this was great. Someone asked the question, what if the Magi had been wise women instead of wise men? What if it had been women? And collectively, a group got together and decided this. If, if the Magi had been wise women instead of wise men, they would have stopped and asked directions. So they would have arrived on time in order to help deliver the baby, clean the stable, and make a casserole while they were there. I thought that was good. 
And they might have brought more suitable gifts for the, the intended recipient. Think about that. On a surface level, these three gifts that the Magi brought seem very strange for an infant boy. And, and, you know, what do you bring to an infant back then anyway? I mean, more swaddling cloths would be helpful, but what else do you bring? I would think maybe you could bring food to the parents. This was the firstborn, so maybe food to the parents. Or you could volunteer to hold the baby on occasion, uh, give mama a break, that kind of thing. But what else would you do? I don't know if there's much else you could do. And what would we have given if we had known the infant to be Jesus? Would we have deemed ourselves worthy to give him anything at all? I would expect not. But nevertheless, the Magi did bring these three gifts. And it's fascinating to me that they probably did not realize themselves the significance of these gifts that they brought because they have incredible meaning for us today, of course, as you know. Now, notice that some time has passed by because Mary and Joseph are no longer in a stable area. The verse says when they came to the house. Evidently, now someone has taken them in or they are renting from someone and they are now in a house and not in a stable and so the Magi arrive. And what three gifts did they bring them? Well, first of all, as you know, it was gold. And that was a precious metal then, as it is today. And back then, it was especially associated with royalty, which makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a symbol for us to remember the royalty of Jesus and his supremacy over all things. What an appropriate gift to bring him in a symbolic manner. It speaks to his royalty, his, his majesty. I love how it's put in Colossians chapter 1. Don't look it up, just listen to me read it, because it just pounds away at the reality of how Jesus is supreme over all things. This is chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him, and notice how many times the word all is said, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the beginning and the firstborn, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. No doubt gold was an appropriate gift to offer in a symbolic fashion because it speaks to his majesty, his greatness, his supremacy. Secondly, of course, was incense. A lot of translations don't just have incense. What do they put before that? frankincense right and if it's frankincense that means that it was extracted from a tree that you found on the coast of, of southern what was southern arabia at the time and it was this fragrant gum resin that they would extract and the incense just smelled wonderful it was aromatic and it was frequently used in all different kinds of religious faiths as far as religious rites and religious ceremonies uh, you may not know this but in the old testament uh, the the high priest would spray frankincense as part of the worship service. So I think that's fascinating uh, because while the Magi might not have realized it, they were giving this which was used so often by high priest to the one who would become the great high priest, even their great high priest, the one who would forgive their sins on, and intercede on their behalf and our behalf. I find that fascinating. Reminds me of Hebrews 4.14, therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Now, the last gift, as you know, had unusual significance, and it was myrrh. Now, again, that might seem strange because it was, it was a spice that was used in the, in the embalming process of a dead body. That would seem a strange thing to give to an infant. And yet, it's more for us when you think about it, more as a symbol saying something to us. Now, myrrh was a perfume that came from a small thorny tree that grew in Ethiopia, actually. They would make an incision in a branch 
and wait for these droplets to come out. They would ooze out, and they would collect it, and then it would harden into this bitter but aromatic kind of uh, a gum. And it was highly prized by ancient people, in part as a perfume, but all the more to use in the embalming process. Well, obviously that speaks to the death of Christ and that greatest of gifts that he offered to you and to me that offered salvation. Now, there's an interesting addition of this, which I found fascinating. I was reading a commentary by J. Vernon McGee, who's one of the great expositors of God's word of all time. And he proposes that, proposes that there is a veiled prophecy to the second coming, not the first coming, but the second coming of the Messiah. If you look in Isaiah 60, verse 6, where it says, And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. There's gold and there's incense. Where's the myrrh? Again, it says they will bear gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Myrrh is missing. It's missing from this event. Because why? Because that speaks to the death of Christ. But when Jesus comes a second time, nothing will speak of his death. I just think that's fascinating. Maybe that is indeed a prophecy of sorts, that the myrrh is not mentioned there in Isaiah 60, verse 6, because that really is, is a prophecy of the second coming, where death will be no more. Now, did the Magi... I've always wondered this. Did they know the significance of these gifts that they brought? I, I really don't think that they did. What's cool is that God did. And the beautiful thing is that those gifts were not so much the Magi's gifts to Jesus, but Jesus' gifts to us. Do you follow me? It's more Jesus' gifts to us. They speak to us as wonderful symbols. The gold telling us that he is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, the frankincense telling us that he is the great high priest who intercedes for us and who especially interceded for us as the great high priest offering the sacrifice not of a lamb, not of a dove, but of himself. And obviously it speaks to the Jesus who died and was buried with customary spices and who rose after three days that we might have eternal life. It's really three gifts God brought to us more than what the Magi brought to Jesus. I don't think they really knew the significance of what it meant in a spiritual sense. But that does not diminish the most important thing that the Magi brought to Jesus. Because they really brought something else as a gift to Jesus that I think you and I need to really zero in on. Even before bestowing the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, what does it say there in the verse? They bowed down and what? Worshipped him. They worshipped him. They didn't just come and pay their respects to him in some solemn way. It says that when they saw that the star had stopped, they were what? Overjoyed. And that led to them worshiping him, praising him, giving thanks for him with a grateful heart, as we sang just a moment ago. Which leads me to this question for you. I know you've been asked this before during Advent season, but this is the time to ask it. Are you worshiping him with a joyful heart at this point, at this season of Advent? Worshiping him for, for all that he's given you. Worshiping him and giving praise to him for the most sacrificial of gifts that he offered to you. It reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. Does anybody know where the word worship first appears in the Bible? It's a story of Abraham and Isaac when Abraham is taking him up Mount Hebron to be sacrificed, he thinks. You know that the story turns out a different way. But he thinks he's going to give up his only son, his, his precious son. And when they get near the top, you get to Genesis twenty-two twenty-five. And Abraham says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship there, and then we will come back to you. We will worship there, and then we will come back to you. That's the first time that worship appears in the Bible. And notice that it is in the context of someone giving up something so important to them. Someone really sacrificing something. 
Which, which again, begs the question, do you and I worship him with a sense of joy and of personal sacrifice? Are we willing to do that? As Paul says, do you present yourself as a willing sacrifice, as a living sacrifice to him? Now, what does this have to do with Christmas? Is there a direct connection between that passage with Abraham and Isaac? I think so. You get to Matthew 2.12, and you have the first time that worship is mentioned in the New Testament. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I just think that's really cool. That's the first time it's mentioned in the New Testament. And again, really, it speaks to you and me being willing to give over that which is so precious to us. Are we willing to do that? You know, when was the last time you really thought about, reflected upon the gift that Jesus brought your way? You know, when was the last time you really worshipped him with unbridled joy? Because really, to do that, you have to, first of all, recognize the gift. Have you ever, <laughs> I think most of us have been in this situation, have you ever unwrapped a gift at Christmas time and, and it looked okay, but you didn't know what it was really? And the person who gave it to you is looking at you and you're like, what, you know, you're thinking, oh, thank you, this is great. And in your mind you're going, well, what do I do with this? You know, what is it? It's a very awkward moment, but you kind of, you know, maybe you fake your way through it, but you wonder what on earth it's for. You know, you really can't appreciate a gift until you understand what it's for, you know, what function it serves. And I think until you really recognize, really recognize the gift that Jesus brought you, which is eternal life through his death and through his resurrection and through the eternal life that he offers you that begins now and goes on forevermore. Do you really recognize that? Do you really acknowledge that? You know, he, he was more than just any other human being. He was the very son of God. Not just that, but he condescended to come down, yes, even to a manger. And he taught us how to live, and he died for us and rose after three days. Do we really recognize that gift? But you've got to do more than recognize the gift, by the way. You've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. What if you gave me a gift uh, at Christmas time? Let's say the following summer you asked me, hey, are you enjoying that gift I gave you? And I would say, well... It looks real nice, but it's still wrapped up. I haven't unwrapped it. It's there in the living room behind the couch, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Now, I would think you'd think, who is this guy, right? Again, you didn't even unwrap the gift yet? Well, no. Well, but oftentimes you and I do this, and people do this with God's greatest gift every year. Yes, people will celebrate Christmas, you know, and they'll put up lights. They'll put up a tree. They'll sing carols. They'll have dinners together. They go to church. They do all these things, but they never have really received the gift, which begs the question, have you received the gift? And you might already be a believer. You might be a Christ follower, yes, but have you embraced it for yourself and voiced it to others, especially during this season? I read something interesting the other day. 40%, how many of y'all have ever gotten a gift for somebody, a, a gift card? Anybody ever gotten a gift card? How many of y'all, let's just be honest, how many of y'all have gotten gift cards for somebody, you know, this season? Because shipping is slower now. Have you gotten one in the last few days? Like, oh, I better go this route. You know what I'm saying? because of the mailing going slowly and everything. 40% of shoppers will purchase a department store gift card for friends and family during Christmas, followed by 33% of shoppers opting for a restaurant gift card. But this is what's interesting. The typical American home has an average of $300 in unused or unredeemed gift cards. Do you have any of those lying around somewhere at home? You've lost them, or you just haven't used them, forgotten about them? And they said in this study, the cards are often misplaced, accidentally thrown out, or only partially redeemed. 
Now, this is what got me. Marla Quartz in the first service was like, did you say billion? And I, I did say billion. Between 2005 and 2011, $41 billion in gift cards went unused. <laughs> $41 billion. But let me, let me bring that to us in, in context of what we're talking about. If you're a believer, you've been redeemed, but have you worshipped like a redeemed person? Or is it more like you're worshipping, you're a redeemed person who's worshipping in an unredeemed manner? You know, have you worshipped that way with joyous hearts as the Magi had? You know, will you recognize and receive this gift that's been given to you and how incredible a gift it is? You know, will you recognize and worship him today? <laughs> Tim liked something that I prayed off the cuff. Where are you, Tim? Tim liked something I prayed off the cuff uh, in, in the first service. Uh, and I, and it was, I heard some preachers say recently, and I needed to be reminded of that. He just said, you know what? Christmas isn't your birthday. I thought, it's a good point. Sometimes I'm focusing more on gifts I've received instead of the greatest gift that I've received that I need to return in thanks and in praise and in unbridled joy to the very Christ who came, condescended, and came to earth for you and me. Are you at a point, how many, how many days away from Christmas? Not many. Are you at a point where you really are giving thanks and praise to him for the most incredible of gifts that he offered us? And yes, those three gifts that were brought are wonderful symbols to us, but it really boils down to you and how you're offering thanks and joy and celebration back to him. Are you at that point right now? Well, let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute because you might have the chance to ponder now as we engage in the discipline of meditation. If there's one thing in your life right now that's keeping you from giving praise and honor and glory to Christ during this season, what could it be? Just meditate upon that. If there's one thing that is a possible distraction for you, something that's impeding your thankful heart, your heart of praise for him, what is it? And will you confess that to him in silence and offer that over to him that you would all the more worship him as he so deserves? Now, if you would, take a moment and just give thanks. Just as we said earlier, give thanks with a grateful heart and offer some words of thanks and praise to him, for him, for all the ways that he has graced you and indeed, most of all, for his very grace. Showering that unconditional love upon you, no matter how much you and I don't deserve it, he continues to just keep moving toward us, moving toward us with that love. Well, will you move toward him now? And, and, and restore and redeem that relationship even now and give thanks to him and have a moment in just personal, personal time with him. Do that for just a moment. it's amazing that those magi probably did not have a keen understanding of all of what you were about and yet they worshipped you 
We have the advantage, we have the luxury of knowing so much more than they did at that moment in time. And yet, do we have that unbridled joy that they had, realizing what an incredible gift you are? They were not even aware of what you would do ultimately on the cross. We do. They had no concept of an empty tomb and of a life beyond that you offer to us, and yet we do. Have we given thanks for that as of late? Have we cherished that gift? Moving from the manger, yes, to the empty tomb. Have we done that lately? Oh God, restore, as, as David said, restore to us the joy of our salvation this day. And we give you such thanks for that, such praise for that. May we leave this place with grateful hearts and with voices that want to share this best of news with other people. Help us not to leave it here in the room, but to take it to others, O oh God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.